Turn our Bibles. I want to share on something. I was trying to look for the title of what I want to share. On my way here, I saw a banner somewhere, and it said, it said Fearless Thanksgiving. And that's what uh, the subject is. Fearless Thanksgiving. I saw it on the way here. I said, that's my message. Fearless Thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this great conference that you have put together by your spirit. We thank you because you have made all things ready for us. We thank you because we have, you have answered our prayers and granted a definite supply of the spirit of Jesus to perform your will in our hearts. I therefore ask by that same spirit you will grant utterance that as I go into your word, I will make known the mystery of the gospel with all boldness as I ought to speak. That light will flood our hearts and we will be lifted into the place you have ordained for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. This evening, briefly, I want to speak about and we'll just, after that, take a session of expression. Um, and I want to speak about the mercy of God. How uh, responding to God's mercy is probably in scripture the most powerful experience you can have. At the dedication of the temple, the song that they sang was praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Also, when Jehoshaphat was to face the army, he also sang, praise the Lord for his mercy. Now, the dedication, praise the Lord for his good and his mercy endureth forever. Jehoshaphat also sang, praise the Lord. When they sang that song, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever, the Bible says a cloud of glory filled the temple and the ministers could no longer stand. When Jehoshaphat sang that same song hundreds of years later, there was an ambushment and they had a major breakthrough in the place. Now, the reason is this. The most conspicuous statement in the scripture about God our Father are the declarations about his love, his mercy, and his compassion. Now, it's not going to be a long message, but it's going to be provocative. So, just follow me here. The most, all right, conspicuous statement, when the Bible says God is, it talks about God is love. It's about God our Father. These are declarations about his love, mercy, and compassion. F. F. Botsworth, the great faith teacher, said, there is no note that can be sounded about God's character that will inspire faith as the mercy of God. In other words, if you want to inspire faith in people, or let there be a sound 
of the mercy of God going into the congregation, he said, you will see faith arise in the hearts of people. That's why Satan has worked to hide from humanity the disposition of the Father as being merciful. Modern theology has magnified God's power more than his compassion. In other words, the Satan somehow has tricked us into glorifying the power of God and saying very little about the mercy or the compassion of God. It has described God as being all-powerful, but because the compassion and the mercy of God has not been properly presented, it now appears that God is unwilling to use that power because he can find fault with his own children, which means he has the power, but because of mistakes they are making, because of errors in their character, because they are not living up to standard, the understanding is that God is reluctant to release his power because of what is going on. Now, if we accept that, it means God is releasing a spirit of condemnation on his children. That's what it means. Now, follow me here. Now, those who came to Jesus, Jesus was the brightness of God's glory, the express image of his person. There is no doctrine you can bring out of scripture if it contradicts the way Jesus behaved, the attitude of Jesus, and what he did, then there's something wrong with that doctrine. Because Jesus came to show us. He said, no man has gone to heaven, no man, except he that descended. So nobody has been there, only Jesus. And Jesus came down to show us what heaven is all about. Now, those who came to Jesus for healing, every single one of them recovered. He healed every single person. Are we saying every single person's lifestyle was up to standard? Are you saying that all the people, now follow me here, that came to Jesus and were thronging and touching him, and the Bible says they all got healed. Are we saying that these people did not have character defects? Are you saying that they were not practicing sinners who came to meet Jesus and touch Jesus? Follow me in the scriptures, let's see this here. Except we want to say that they were all living perfect, without any exception, then all right, then we'll accept that. But we've got to understand a person's character cannot change until they experience the forgiveness of God. The, Jesus said, he that loveth much is because he was forgiven much. So anybody that you see that is showing genuine love, acceptance, helping people, is because they have experienced the power of God's mercy. 
So it is his love and forgiveness that transforms lives and character. That's why he said, to whom much is forgiven, that person loves much. Now let's look at the people that came to meet Jesus. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23 to 25. And let's just have a picture of Jesus Christ. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing how many? All manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Next verse. And his fame went throughout all Syria. When your fame goes out, it means there's no discrimination within. Come. Are you following what I'm That means what they were saying was there's no discrimination. Come. It says throughout all Syria. And they brought unto him how many? All sick people that were taken, not some. So the fame that went out is bring anybody to him. Bring anybody to Jesus. And it says they were taken with diverse disease and torment, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had palsy, and he healed them. So they brought all, and then verse 25, he healed them. And the scripture says, and there followed him great multitudes from the people of Galilee, Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and Judah, and beyond. Then let's go to chapter 9, and verse 35. Let's just look at Jesus. So we get a picture here of Jesus. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Healing how many? Every sickness and every disease among the people. Next verse. But when, all right, the multitudes, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Now, compassion is mercy. Compassion is what will, now this is the image Satan is trying to paint. Compassion is what a mother will feel for the child if, God forbid, this monitor drops on the child's leg and the child is screaming. Something moves in the heart of the mother or even any person and that's compassion, that, that flow on the inside that will make the person use their ability to relieve them of the pain. Now, if you have somebody who has might, a very strong man is standing here, and the monitor drops on the leg of a child, and he looks at it and says to himself, because, why didn't you take this off? He says, when I was outside, the child did not greet me properly. That's why you are allowing the legs to be broken. He says, yes. You look at him and say, you are a wicked person. Why will you say the person is wicked? Because he had the ability to save. So if you magnify ability and you undermine willingness to use it, you have described that person as a wicked person. So the image Satan is painting is an image of condemnation and wickedness. Now, I want to show you what Jesus did here. 
verse chapter 12 and verse 15. Look at this, chapter 12 and verse 15. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from things. And the Bible says, great what? Multitude followed him. And how many did he heal? You know, in the covenant, who forgiveth all iniquity and healeth all. So how many people did he heal all? Are we saying that all those people were good people? All. Look at verse 14. And that's why when we keep people from experiencing the love of God, they just will not, they will be, because we are almost saying, do right before you meet God. Look at 14, 14. Matthew 14, 14 here. Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion. This God towards them and he healed they are sick. Now, if we have a better covenant, and if God is, now that's why this message I'm praying this evening, in fact, people must have prayed after I said I was struggling to get that there was something, because when I got home, in 30 minutes, I, it just became clear. All right? It was simplified. Now, just follow me here. Why are we finding it Hard to experience God's power. There's condemnation. I'm telling you, in the hearts of people, there's condemnation. Look at, I'll get there. Chapter 14 from verse 34 to 36. All right? 14, 34. And when they were gone over, it came to the land of Genesaret. And verse 35. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him. You know what that means? That is, they heard that Jesus had come. What was their response? They sent out into all the country round about with no discrimination and brought unto him how many? All. Are we saying those people were all good people that were diseased? Verse 36, and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made perfectly whole. These people didn't pray in the morning, no. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Everybody that touched him was made perfectly whole. Luke chapter 6, from verse 17 to 19. So let's look at the scripture so we get it here. And he came down with them. And stood in the plain, and the company of his disciples, a great multitude of people, out of all Judah and Jerusalem, from the sea, coast of Tyre and Sidon, came to hear him and to be healed of their disease. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And then next verse. The whole multitude sought to touch him. For there went virtue out of him, and how many did he heal? He healed them all. No discrimination. The Lord is gracious, means he is disposed to showing favors. It's almost like God is only happy when he's showing favors. 
But what we hear is God is able instead of God is gracious. We hear God can do it instead of God is willing to do it. God is merciful. It is better to have a father who doesn't have the means to help and says, I can't pay for a surgery. At least we know the father is willing than to say the father has all the resources, but he's watching his child die because it satisfies him to punish that child. That's the image Satan is trying to paint. And the reason I'll get where I'm going is that so when you are approaching God, even singing, there's a sense of condemnation in your heart. And I'm going to show this in the book of Hebrews, that inside, all right, the heart, that's why the Bible says the worshippers once purged should no longer have a conscience of sin, which means you can be worshipping with a conscience of sin. So you are singing, but what will make you have contact with God is not there because you are carrying on the inside that this person I'm going to meet, he is not happy with me. And if you don't think God's arms are open to receive you, you will never make contact with him. And if you don't make contact with God, there is no goodness inside your flesh. It is your contact with God that transforms you. So the Lord is gracious. So it doesn't take much faith to say God is able. But to show he's willing is the key to great faith. Demons know God is able. In fact, because they know he's able, they tremble. All right? So the image is, this is what he's saying. A child can fear the father. The father has wealth. The father is capable of doing things. But the image is, they are afraid to even go and approach the father all right? Now, this is the image Satan is trying to paint here. Afraid to go and meet the Father. That's why I said it's fearless thanksgiving. To go and meet the Father and to ask him for anything because they are afraid of him. And we can call that, when we say that fear now, it's not reverence, it's not true worship, it is, it is that you are afraid of this person. Now, the scripture tells us the eyes of the Lord, all right, in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect. Now, get that, heart is perfect towards him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth, you will have wars, right? Final night, I'm going to talk about something here. But look at Psalm 20, 33, verse 18. So it says God's heart, eyes are looking throughout the entire earth. Saying, Let, who, how, how am I going to, who, 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 who can I, I'm looking for somebody to demonstrate power. Now, it says, behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that do what? Hope in his mercy. Which means their expectation 
is that I'm dealing with a merciful and compassionate God. Their hope is in the fact that I know this person is kind. It's like you know the character of a person. You have run into serious trouble. You say, how do you think you will get out? That person is kind. If I can have audience, and I want to show you something in the Bible, have an audience with God. Look, in the scripture, there is no mistake anybody made. If you have an audience with God, the same God that pronounced the judgment will teach you how to get out. Let me show you. Go to Genesis chapter 4, verse 10. Read this to see the character and nature of God. Look at this. Cain killed Abel. God said to him, what has thou done? I want you to understand the character of God. This is God, though. The voice of your brother's blood cried from, unto me from the ground. Verse 11. And that's what Jonah, he didn't know about God. He went to preach judgment. He didn't know that this God that sent you on an errand. After you have a confirmed word of judgment, if the people turn to God, listen, let me show you this. Now, you know what God doesn't like? That you don't believe he's compassionate. Do you see what I'm saying here? That you don't believe, this is what he's getting at, that you don't believe I help. Look, look at what he says here. This king, now, this God, though, God, saying, now, this is not a man, you are cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from your hand. Verse 12. When thou tillest the ground, it shall henceforth not yield its strength unto you. A fugitive and vagabond shall thou be in the earth. Verse 13. Cain said to God, Lord, this judgment you have given me, God, is too much for me as an individual. God gave the judgment. Look at what God said next. Look at what Cain said. Cain now said, it's more than I can bear. Verse 14. Behold, Cain went to meet God. Now, you think when somebody has given that judgment, you go and look for somebody, you know, to help you. All right? He now went to meet God and said, Thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face I shall be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. He told God that. God said, okay. The Lord said unto him, therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken. This is God that is giving judgment. Turned again and said, if anybody touches you, because of what I said, I will deal with that person. Vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold, Cain. Then the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anybody finding him should kill him. Which means you will never find this man to kill him, even though I put judgment. God. The same God that pronounced judgment. That's what David knew. David said, listen, no matter the trouble run to him, he says those that hope in his mercy. You see, people don't, they, they, they just know a wicked God. They don't understand the compassionate God. Let me tell you this. Kenneth Hagin said, and this is what people don't know. He said he had, when he was pastoring, he would see people come to church, do everything they say they should do. Nothing will happen in their life. 
There was this family, they will come once in a while. But when they come, they'll be dancing around the whole church. Dancing around. You can't offend them. If you offend them, they forgive you easily. People that do things, they'll hug them, forgive. He said miracles were happening. The ones that were coming, that were judgmental. He said, he, because they, you understand this? These people, they just, that's what the younger brother understood. After he had wasted the living, he said, the only place I can find acceptance is the man's money I wasted. Every other person that he didn't spend their money were punishing him. The person whose money he wasted said, my son, you have come back home. Are you following what I'm saying here? He's telling you about the character of God. Now, I'm saying if you don't understand that, even if you are singing, you are trying to pay a price by singing. You are not touching God because God is not like that. You are trying to use your works to pay a price. Let's go on here. So God is ever hunting for opportunities to gratify his benevolent heart because he delights in mercy. And that's what God was saying in the New Testament. He said, you can be faking it, but nobody can live right except I write the laws inside the hearts of that person. And there is nobody that I can write the laws if you don't come to see my face. And this is what he's saying, before you see my face, which means before I write my laws, you can't be living right. So you must have audience with me, all right? Even though you are not living right, for me to be able to access your heart. And after I access your heart, then you'll be able to change. So if there's any good in us, it's God that put it there. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you. Turn our Bibles. I want to share on something. I was trying to look for the title of what I want to share. On my way here, I saw a banner somewhere, and it said, it said fearless thanksgiving. And that's what uh, the subject is. Fearless <laughs> thanksgiving. Uh, I saw it on the way here. I said, that's my message. Fearless <laughs> thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this great conference that you have put together by your spirit. We thank you because you have made all things ready for us. We thank you because we have, you have answered our prayers and granted a definite supply of the spirit of Jesus. 
to perform your will in our hearts. I therefore ask by that same spirit you will grant utterance that as I go into your word, I will make known the mystery of the gospel with all boldness as I ought to speak. That light will flood our hearts and we will be lifted into the place you have ordained for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. This evening, briefly, I want to speak about, and we'll just, after that, take a session of expression. Um, and I want to speak about the mercy of God. How uh, responding to God's mercy is probably in scripture the most powerful experience you can have. At the dedication of the temple, the song that they sang was praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Also when Jehoshaphat was to face the army, he also sang, praise the Lord for his mercy. Now the dedication, praise the Lord for his good and his mercy endureth forever. Jehoshaphat also sang, praise the Lord. When they sang that song, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. The Bible says a cloud of glory filled the temple and the ministers could no longer stand. When Jehoshaphat sang that same song, hundreds of years later, there was an ambushment, and they had a major breakthrough in the place. Now, the reason is this. The most conspicuous statement in the scripture about God our Father are the declarations about his love his mercy, and his compassion. Now, it's not going to be a long message, but it's going to be provocative. So, just follow me here. The most, all right, conspicuous statement, when the Bible says God is, it talks about God is love. It's about God our Father. These are declarations about his love, mercy, and compassion. F.F. Botsworth, the great faith teacher, said, there is no note that can be sounded about God's character that will inspire faith as the mercy of God. In other words, if you want to inspire faith in people, let there be a sound of the mercy of God going into the congregation he said, you will see faith rise in the hearts of people. That's why Satan has worked to hide from humanity the disposition of the Father as being merciful. Modern theology has magnified God's power more than his compassion. In other words, the Satan somehow has tricked us into glorifying the power of God and saying very little about the mercy or the compassion of God. It has described God as being all-powerful, but because 
the compassion and the mercy of God has not been properly presented, it now appears that God is unwilling to use that power because he can find fault with his own children, which means he has the power, but because of mistakes they are making, because of errors in their character, because they are not living up to standard, the understanding is that God is reluctant to release his power because of what is going on. Now, if we accept that, it means God is releasing a spirit of condemnation on his children. That's what it means. Now, follow me here. Now, those who came to Jesus, Jesus was the brightness of God's glory, the express image of his person. There is no doctrine you can bring out of Scripture if it contradicts the way Jesus behaved, the attitude of Jesus, and what he did, then there's something wrong with that doctrine. Because Jesus came to show us. He said, no man has gone to heaven, no man, except he that descended. So nobody has been there, only Jesus. And Jesus came down to show us what heaven is all about. Now, those who came to Jesus for healing, every single one of them recovered. He healed every single person. Are we saying every single person's lifestyle was up to standard? Are you saying that all the people, now follow me here, that came to Jesus and were thronging and touching him, and the Bible says they all got healed. Are we saying that these people did not have character defects? Are you saying that they were not practicing sinners who came to meet Jesus and touch Jesus? Follow me in the scriptures, let's see this here. Except we want to say that they were all living perfect without any exception. Then, all right, then we'll accept that. But we've got to understand a person's character cannot change until they experience the forgiveness of God. The, Jesus said, he that loveth much is because he was forgiven much. So anybody that you see that is showing genuine love, acceptance, helping people, is because they have experienced the power of God's mercy. So it is his love and forgiveness that transforms lives and character. That's why he said, to whom much is forgiven, that person loves much. Now let's look at the people that came to meet Jesus. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23 to 25. And let's just have a picture of Jesus Christ. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing how many? All manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Next verse. And his fame went throughout all Syria. When your fame goes out, it means there's no discrimination within. Come. 
Are you following what I'm saying? That means what they were saying was there's no discrimination. Come. It says throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him how many? All sick people that were taken, not some. So the fame that went out is bring anybody to him. Bring anybody to Jesus. And it says they were taken with diverse disease and torment, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had palsy, and he healed them. So they brought all, and then verse 25, he healed them. And the scripture says, and there followed him great multitudes from the people of Galilee, Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and Judea, and beyond. Then let's go to chapter 9, and verse 35. Let's just look at Jesus. So we get a picture here of Jesus. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing how many? Every sickness and every disease among the people. Next verse. But when, all right, the multitudes, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Now, compassion is mercy. Compassion is what will... Now, this is the image Satan is trying to paint. Compassion is what a mother will feel for the child if, God forbid, this monitor drops on the child's leg and the child is screaming. Something moves in the heart of the mother or even any person, and that's compassion, that, that flow on the inside that will make the person use their ability to relieve them of the pain. Now, if you have somebody who has might, a very strong man is standing here, and the monitor drops on the leg of a child, and he looks at it and says to himself, because why didn't you take this off? He says, when I was outside, the child did not greet me properly. That's why you are allowing the legs to be broken. He says, yes. You look at him and say, you are a wicked person. Why will you say the person is wicked? Because he had the ability to save. So if you magnify ability and you undermine willingness to use it, you have described that person as a wicked person. So the image Satan is painting is an image of condemnation and wickedness. Now, I want to show you what Jesus did here. Verse chapter 12 and verse 15. Look at this. Chapter 12 and verse 15. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from things. And the Bible says, great what? Multitude followed him. And how many did he heal? You know, in the covenant, who forgiveth all iniquity and healeth all. So how many people did he heal? Oh, are we saying that all those people were good people? Oh. Look at verse 14. And that's why when we keep people from experiencing the love of God, they just will not, they will be, because we are almost saying, do right before you meet God. Look at 14, 14. 
Matthew 14, 14 here. Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude. And he was moved with compassion. This God. Towards them. And he healed their sick. Now, if we have a better covenant, and if God is, now that's why this message I'm praying this evening, in fact, people must have prayed after I said I was struggling to get that there was something, because when I got home, in 30 minutes, I, it just became clear. All right? It was simplified. Now, just follow me here. Why are we finding it hard to experience God's power? There's condemnation. I'm telling you, in the hearts of people, there's condemnation. Look at, I'll get there. Chapter 14 from verse 34 to 36. All right? 14, 34. And when they were gone over, it came to the land of Genesaret. And verse 35. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, you know what that means? That is, they heard that Jesus had come. What was their response? They sent out into all the country round about with no discrimination and brought unto him how many? All. Are we saying those people were all good people that were diseased? Verse 36, and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made perfectly whole. These people didn't pray in the morning, no. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Everybody that touched him was made perfectly whole. Luke chapter 6, from verse 17 to 19. So let's look at the scripture so we get it here. And he came down with them and stood in the plain, and the company of his disciples, a great multitude of people, out of all Judah and Jerusalem, from the sea, coast of Tyre and Sidon, came to hear him and to be healed of their disease. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And then next verse. The whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him. And how many did he heal? He healed them all. No discrimination. The Lord is gracious, means he is disposed to showing favors. It's almost like God is only happy when he's showing favors. But what we hear is God is able instead of God is gracious. We're here, God can do it instead of God is willing to do it. God is merciful. It is better to have a father who doesn't have the means to help and says, I can't pay for a surgery. At least we know the father is willing than to say the father has all the resources, but he's watching his child die because it satisfies him to punish that child. That's the image Satan is trying to paint. And the reason I'll get where I'm going is that so when you are approaching God, even singing, 
there's a sense of condemnation in your heart. And I'm going to show this in the book of Hebrews. That inside, all right, the heart, that's why the Bible says the worshippers once purged should no longer have a conscience of sin, which means you can be worshipping with a conscience of sin. So you are singing, but what will make you have contact with God is not there because you are carrying on the inside that this person I'm going to meet, he is not happy with me. And if you don't think God's arms are open to receive you, you will never make contact with him. And if you don't make contact with God, there is no goodness inside your flesh. It is your contact with God that transforms you. So the Lord is gracious. So it doesn't take much faith to say God is able. But to show he's willing is the key to great faith. Demons know God is able. In fact, because they know he's able, they tremble. All right? So the image is, this is what he's saying. A child can fear the father. The father has wealth. The father is capable of doing things. But the image is, they are afraid to even go and approach the father. All right? Now, this is the image Satan is trying to paint here. Afraid to go and meet the father. That's why I said, it's fearless thanksgiving. To go and meet the father. And to ask him for anything because they are afraid of him. And we can call that, when we say that fear now, it's not reverence. It's not true worship. It is, it is that you are afraid of this person. Now the scripture tells us the eyes of the Lord. All right. In Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect. Now get that, heart is perfect towards him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth you will have wars. Right? Final night I'm going to talk about something here. But look at Psalm 20, 33 verse 18. So it says God's heart, eyes are looking throughout the entire earth. Saying, Let, who, how, how am I going to, who, 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 who can I, I'm looking for somebody to demonstrate power. Now, it says, behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that do what? Hope in his mercy. Which means their expectation is that I'm dealing with a merciful and compassionate God. Their hope is in the fact that I know this person is kind. It's like you know the character of a person. You have run into serious trouble. You say, how do you think you will get out? That person is kind. If I can have audience, and I want to show you something in the Bible, have an audience with God. Look, in the scripture, there is no mistake anybody made. If you have an audience with God, the same God that pronounced the judgment will teach you how to get out. Let me show you. 
Go to Genesis chapter 4, verse 10. Read this to see the character and nature of God. Look at this. Cain killed Abel. God said to him, what hast thou done? I want you to understand the character of God. This is God, though. The voice of your brother's blood cried from, unto me from the ground. Verse 11. And that's what Jonah, he didn't know about God. He went to preach judgment. He didn't know that this God that sent you on an errand. After you have a confirmed word of judgment, if the people turn to God, listen, let me show you this. Now, you know what God doesn't like? That you don't believe he's compassionate. Do you see what I'm saying here? That you don't believe, this is what he's getting at, that you don't believe I help. Look, look at what he says here. This king, now, this God, though, God, saying, now, this is not a man, you are cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from your hand. Verse 12. When thou tillest the ground, it shall henceforth not yield the strength unto you. A fugitive and vagabond shall thou be in the earth. Verse 13. Cain said to God, Lord, this judgment you have given me, God, is too much for me as an individual. God gave the judgment. Look at what God said next. Look at what Cain said. Cain now said, it's more than I can bear. Verse 14. Behold, Cain went to meet God. Now, you think when somebody has given that judgment, you go and look for somebody, you know, to help you. All right? He now went to meet God and said, Thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face I shall be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. He told God that. God said, Okay. The Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken. This is God that is giving judgment. Turned again and said, If anybody touches you, because of what I said, I will deal with that person. Vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold, Cain. Then the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anybody finding him should kill him. Which means you will never find this man to kill him, even though I put judgment. God. The same God that pronounced judgment. That's what David knew. David said, listen, no matter the trouble run to him, he says, those that hope in his mercy. You see, people don't, they, they, they just know a wicked God. They don't understand the compassionate God. Let me tell you this. Kenneth Hagin said, and this is what people don't know. He said, he had, when he was pastoring, he would see people come to church, do everything they say they should do. Nothing will happen in their life. There was this family, they will come once in a while. But when they come, they'll be dancing around the whole church, dancing around. You can't offend them. If you offend them, they forgive you easily. People that do things, they'll hug them, forgive. He said miracles were happening. The ones that were coming, that were judgmental. He said, Elm, he, because they, you understand this? These people, they just, that's what the younger brother understood. After he had wasted the living, he said, the only place I can find acceptance is the man's money I wasted. Every other person that he didn't spend their money were punishing him. The person whose money he wasted said, my son, you have come back home. 
Are you following what I'm saying here? He's telling you about the character of God. Now, I'm saying if you don't understand that, even if you are singing, you are trying to pay a price by singing. You are not touching God. Because God is not like that. You are trying to use your works to pay a price. Let's go on here. So God is ever hunting for opportunities to gratify his benevolent heart because he delights in mercy. And that's what God was saying in the New Testament. He said, you can be faking it, but nobody can live right except I write the laws inside the hearts of that person. And there's nobody that I can write the laws if you don't come to see my face. And this is what he's saying, before you see my face, which means before I write my laws, you can't be living right. So you must have audience with me, all right? Even though you are not living right, for me to be able to access your heart. And after I access your heart, then you'll be able to change. So if there's any good in us, it's God that puts it there. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.